Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Nathan Harris. For those of you who don't know me, I am the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. I just want to welcome you all here, whether you are a regular attender here or a guest with us today. Uh, my desire, our desire as, as a church is that you would be able to connect with Jesus. And one of the great ways of being able to do that is by connecting with his people. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you're watching live right now, you can click on the link that says connect with us uh, up at the top of your screen and you can fill that out. You can ask us questions. You can uh, sign up for stuff. You can just say hi. You can give us a prayer request, whatever it is. Fill that out. Get connected with us. And myself or someone else from the church here will be in contact with you. I, I look forward to actually being able to communicate with you and, and connect with you. So I ask you, please do that. Go ahead and do that. And, and um, I'd love to connect with you. Well, we're in a series called The New Normal. And in this series, we're looking at what has become known as the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is in the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It's the, uh, Matthew is a story of Jesus, uh, his life, his death, his resurrection, and what that all means for us uh, now as, as Jesus followers or people maybe who are even looking to become Jesus followers or just curious or, or wherever we're at in our faith journey. Uh, this gospel tells us what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus's expectations and, and Jesus's uh, goal for us, all of these things. It's a really great book. I, I encourage you to read the whole thing, but we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount in chapters five through seven. And this is the first major teaching recorded in the gospel of Matthew. And in it, Jesus gives, it's kind of a kingdom manifesto. He says, this is what the kingdom is all about. If you are going to be in on the kingdom, this is how life is going to be. And so we've come to call this a new normal because it signals a different way of living. Now, we all know what it's like to have change happen in our lives. I remember one time, right about four years ago, I was taking my son Caleb out for a walk in our neighborhood where we lived. Uh, we were living in Spokane at the time, and you know, fall tends to come a little bit earlier over there, uh, just because it's it, it's colder a, a bit. And so, as we're out on a walk, middle of August, uh, we pass a tree, a, a maple tree, and some of the leaves are already turning color. They're a beautiful red, dark red color. And I said, hey, Caleb, check that out. He goes, yeah. I said, isn't that pretty? He goes, yeah. I said, you know what that means? He goes, no. And I said, it means that fall's coming. And he gets this look on his face. He looks at the tree and he starts yelling at the tree. My son is yelling at the tree. He was very disturbed that the change in season was coming. You see, my son loves the summer. He loves the heat. He loves playing, or the long days. He loves playing outside. He, he loves everything about summer, and he's not such a great fan of the winter, okay? Unless he gets to go sledding. But, so he's, he in his desire to keep the seasons from changing, he's yelling at this tree. Also, he can ward off fall so that winter doesn't come. You ever felt like that with, with change? You ever feel anything like that? You know, the coming of Jesus means that what was reality, the way that we lived life, the way that we survived, the way that we interacted, all of those things 
is now and forever different. It's different because God has fulfilled his promise to come back, to, to uh, bring us back out of exile, okay? So we're not separated from God anymore. And instead, now heaven and earth are overlapped. Now and forever in Jesus, there's still work to be done. There's still things that happen. Of course, there's all kinds of injustice in the world. So it, it's not that there aren't things that still need to be done, but God has fulfilled his promise to come back and is in the process of making all things new. And in Jesus, heaven and earth are forever overlapped. That's good news. That is the gospel, all right? And now because of that, everything is different. The way that we are, if we're in on Jesus's kingdom, the way that we engage in life, that we engage in relationships, that we we do life all around us is, is forever altered, okay? And last time we saw how living in Jesus's new normal means that we are to live a generous justice, not a justice that's based on punishing other people or getting even or making sure somebody else gets their comeuppance, okay? but a justice that is based in restoration. It's based in love. So Jesus called us into a generous justice, not only to the people that we are like, not only the people we're related to or that think like us or anything like that, those people, yes, but more than that, even to our enemies, so that we are actually actively bringing wholeness into the world around us the way Jesus did. And we cultivate this kind of heart as we are connected to Jesus through confession, prayer, and thankful living. Being transformed from the inside out. And if you missed last week's message or any of these messages, I encourage you go to ccpwallup.com and you can scroll to the bottom of the page, click on either the sermon podcast link or the YouTube link and get caught up. It'd be really good for you to do that. This week we're continuing as we look at Jesus's challenge to us in the way we approach God. All right, we've just spent the last, uh, last number of weeks talking about uh, righteousness that surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees that goes beyond their misinterpretation of the law into the very heart of what God is talking about. This time, Jesus is going to talk to us about how we approach God, how we interact with God, okay? The way we do things that line us up in worship and work with God. God. So here we go, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 18. It's a little lengthier passage than we've been doing. Um, so we're going to look at verses 1 through 18. I'm going to pick it up in verse 1. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, you can go ahead and open up there and follow along with me. Here we go. Verse 1, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you, uh, your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you go, when you pray, excuse me, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. 
seen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I remember one time I sat down for a really good Sunday dinner. My mom had made a roast. I love beef and um, she had baked potatoes and there were some yummy veggies and I think some rolls and just all kinds of really good stuff. And I also, so I, I love that kind of thing, but I also enjoy a nice tall glass of cold milk. And I sat down with this meal. I started eating. I was enjoying it. And then I went to wash some of it down with, with this ice cold milk and it was, it looked smooth and, and very tasty to me. And, and so I put the cup to my lips and I took, I think three or four swigs. And in that time, about the third swig, I got this taste of sour nastiness. All right. The milk looked good but it had turned. It was sour. It was actually rotten. This is what Jesus is addressing in these verses that we're looking at this morning. In Matthew 6, 1, Jesus says, be careful not to practice. In other words, don't work or don't do your righteousness. That is your covenant responsibilities, your faithfulness, your actions designed to help you to become more like God. He says, don't do these things in front of others to be seen by them, to be noticed by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Why? Because these things are supposed to act or they're supposed to be an act of work and worship with and for God. They are supposed to be directed to God, all right, and him alone. And here, Jesus moves from talking about a righteousness that surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees, and as one commentator said, he, he moves from that to warn against a wrong kind of righteousness, which is undertaken not to conform to the will of God and to imitate his perfection, but to gain human approval. 
So it's done so that others will notice, so that they will see how good we are or or they'll think very highly of us and praise us. They'll see the outside actions and think that we're doing really good. Jesus says basically the inside at that point is rotten. It's bad. So how do we ensure that our actions on the outside are not hollow and corrupt on the inside? Number one on your outline, if you're taking notes, play for an audience of one. Play for an audience of one. You've probably heard that phrase before. But let's take a closer look at what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 6, verses 2 through 6, and then we're going to skip down to verses 16 through 18. Um, and then in point 2, we'll come back to, to the rest of the passage. But I want to look at these, these three examples that Jesus gives. Verse 2, Jesus says, So, when you give to the needy, Jesus doesn't say if, he doesn't say every second Tuesday when you do, he says when you do. So there's this expectation that he that you're going to do this as a Christ follower, okay? And you need to understand that almsgiving or giving to the needy was, was expected of God's people. It was an act that was commended to God's people so that they would learn how to become like God. God had been generous to them, and so he wanted them to be generous to everybody around them. So this this was a, a work that they did, that they were supposed to do, that they were supposed to engage in so that they could actually become more like God. And it was expected, even for Jesus, it was expected that they would do this so that they could become generous as God is generous. But Jesus says, so when you give to the needy, when you do this good thing that is required of you, by the way, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites, as the religious show-offs, these actors playing for the crowds. Have you ever watched somebody who was acting like they knew it all or that they were right on or you know anything like that, but you could tell you were like, oh man, th this person, they're a fraud, right? Jesus, that's what Jesus is saying of the religious leaders of his day. He says, don't be like these hypocrites who are ultimately self-deceived because they don't actually even know what it is that God really wants. Don't be like the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. These were places that they would go where the synagogue was a place where they would learn and worship and all of that. And, and it was set up so that you would give uh, into a coffer, so to speak, or, or an offering, and then it would be distributed, okay? Or on the street as they were passing by the needy people. Uh, he says, don't make a big show of this in these places. Don't be a glory hound. Don't be somebody who is trying to get honor from others. It's interesting, this word honor here, that, that Jesus uses is the same word that he used in Matthew 5, 16 about let your light shine before men in such a way that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So in, in, in Matthew 5, 16, this, this glory is, is attributed to God. Here Jesus says, don't be seeking glory for yourself. Don't look for this honor all for yourself. He says, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. He says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will 
reward you. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this concept here in a couple of minutes. Verse 5, and when you pray, again, the expectation and the practice that, that is supposed to be happening here in, in terms of working and, and worshiping, uh, talking to God, okay? He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Same idea as above. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen, to get glory from others. All right? They're performing this, this, this act for, for humans rather than for God. They're being glory hounds. He says, truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you go and pray, go in your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He says, pray for an audience of one. And we're going to talk more about this here in a minute. Verse 16, when you fast. Now, fasting is an idea that is foreign to a lot of us in our culture, but the basic idea is that for uh, the, the practice of fasting is actually abstaining from food, okay, so that you can focus on worshiping God, on praying, on being focused on God. So the idea is in fasting, we're withdrawing from the culture and the world around us for the purpose of engaging God, of drawing closer to God. And so Jesus says, when you fast, again, there's not a specified time, place, date, all of that kind of thing, but he's expecting that we're going to do it. When you do this, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces. They would let their, their clothes get all raggedy. They would let their beards get all tangled and their hair go all unkempt and, and all kinds of mess and stuff, all for the sake of showing off to others. They are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the idea here is do these things in secret. Now, Jesus uses some pretty extreme language here. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, go into your inner room and close the door. Um, you know, put oil on your head. You know, he's, he's using all of these things. And there's an element here definitely of literal secrecy, okay, where we're not blabbing about it. But the idea that we need to grab a hold of here is that Jesus is saying, fast. For an audience of one. For God, not for people. Pray for an audience of one. For God, not for people. Give to the poor for an audience of one. Do it for God, not for people to see you and to give you glory and, and to bring accolades onto you. Listen, I love it when people pat me on the back for, for things. I'm a words of affirmation guy. I like that, okay? That, but Jesus says this is a time and a place where that doesn't belong at all, okay? He says, play for an audience of one. It's not that people don't ever know that we're doing these things. It's that our focus is on God, not on the accolades that come from other people. From time to time, my daughter will come to me with a picture she's drawn, uh, it usually has a sun in it with some birds flying, and then there's two figures in it. There's a little girl, 
and a man in it. And the little girl is holding the man's hand and they're walking and they're enjoying the sunny day and all of that. And she'll bring me these pictures and she'll say, hey, daddy, this is for you. I drew this for you. And it's me and her walking together. It, it, it demonstrates to me what, what she thinks about me and, and our relationship and all of that. You know, these pictures are not ever going to hang in the Louvre. Okay, they're not going to be some national treasure where people are going to uh, just ooh and ah over them and think that they are the most spectacular things in the world. But you know what they are? They are an act of love from my daughter's heart to me. And that's what Jesus is talking about in these verses. Play for an audience of one. Let your acts where you are these these duties even, okay? Do these things for God. Out of love for him, out of pursuit for him. You guys, here's the reality. If we wait to do these kinds of things until we have this perfectly altruistic intent and motive and we're just we're waiting to be completely um, uh, distanced from any kind of emotion or desire or anything prior to entering into these things, we're never ever going to do them. Because as soon as we maybe get close to having that altruism or whatever, then we're going to start worrying about losing it. And we're going to be focusing on ourselves anyway. Jesus says, he, he doesn't tell us to wait until we don't have those feelings. He says, Instead of trying to gain approval from humans, gain your approval from God. That's what he says. Seek God's approval. Do this out of love for him, looking for him to give us the approval. Work and worship for God and God alone. That's number one on the outline. Number two, rest in the Father's love. Rest in the Father's love. I want to look more closely at that, that section in, in the Lord's Prayer that we skipped. That's uh, chapter 6, verses 7 through 15. Here's what it says. And when you pray, so he's continuing his, his explanation of prayer beyond the example that we just read. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. You see, pagans in Jesus' day thought that if they made enough noise... They could get the attention of their gods or goddesses, all right? That they would garner their favor. They would, they would get their favor by how loud they were, how, how uh, repetitive they were. If they said the right formula, if they got it just so that, that the gods or goddesses would pay attention to them and, and, and give them what they want. It, it reminds me, honestly, a little bit, uh, for anybody who's, who has or has had children, uh, your kids you know, come up and you're in the middle of a conversation or you're working on something and it's daddy, 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 over and over and over again. And you're like, ah, stop it. Right. Right. It, that, that's the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about here. He goes on in verse eight, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask. The interesting thing here is that in prayer, we need to understand that God is our father, not like our earthly fathers. And whether you had a good father or you had an absentee father, we all know what it's like to be let down by our dads at some level, okay? We all know what that's like. 
Jesus here says that our God is our Father who never lets us down. He's attentive. He knows exactly what we need before we ever even ask. And we can rest in that. He goes on and he says, this then is how you should pray. Notice in all of these things, the, the confidence and the boldness in these phrases. Jesus starts out, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, let your name be glorified. So we're seeking glory for God, not for ourselves. And how do we do that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying for this to happen, for what God wants, God's plans. But not only are we praying for that, in this prayer, we're actually committing ourselves to work toward that. This is part of rest, resting in the Father's love, is working for his will, working for his plans, asking him to make that happen, but then also turning our lives into that mission. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. In other words, as we're doing this, provide for us what we need, the food that we need, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Hey, listen, God, we're part of your family. You're our dad now. And help us to forgive others and forgive us as we do that. This is an indication of Jesus' followers joining in on the generosity and the work of God in forgiveness. This is more of that generous justice stuff going on here. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Don't take us to that point where we we can't turn back, right? Don't leave us in that place where we are going to be overcome by temptation, but instead protect us and deliver us from the evil one who's trying to derail us. And the idea here is, is Israel in the wilderness, all right? Those moments and those times of testing where where it actually the, the Old Testament actually says that God tested them to see if they would be faithful, right? And they, and time and time again, they failed that particular test. And so Jesus says, pray that, that you don't fail these tests, but instead God delivers, okay? Verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. And here is a very stern and disturbing warning. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. The ultimate end of all of this is that we look like our Father. And it's all based on a humble resting in God's goodness as, as our dad, as our attentive Father who loves us. And we are working with and for him and he's providing for us and he's protecting us and he's leading and guiding us. It's that we're the wilderness people, all right? We're the people like Israel wandering through the wilderness, so to speak. And, and we're going from place to place and in all of it, we're relying on God as we follow him, as we're obedient to him. We're lining ourselves up with him. Jesus gives this prayer as a starting point a kind of pattern for us to follow as we begin the work of resting in the Father's love and working for his ends. And in this prayer, we're invited into the very relationship Jesus himself enjoys with the Father. 
this intimate of love, giving and taking, receiving and, and giving away. You know, my daughter flourishes when she's invited into whatever work or process my wife, Jessica, or I are engaged in. As Abby gets to participate, she finds love, security, meaning, uh, uh, learning, all, all of these purpose, all of these things, all because she's invited into a relationship, all right? We rest in the Father's love by accepting Jesus's invitation into this relationship he has with the Father. And as we do so, we will learn to work for and rely on the Father in all things. You guys, it's not enough that we do the kinds of works Jesus talks about in these passages or in this passage and, and even more. So not, not just giving to the poor, not just prayer, not just fasting, but also Bible reading and, and you know other spiritual disciplines that are designed and intended to help line us up with God so that our, we become more and more like him. All right, it's not enough for us just merely to do those things. If we are to live in Jesus' new normal, then we need to work and worship for an audience of one as we rely on the Father's love, as we cast ourselves at his feet and we determine that, you know what? We're all in with him. And that's an everyday thing. That's the other thing about this. This is an everyday moment by moment thing that we decide we are in this with Jesus. We are in this for God. Imagine what kind of difference we could make in South Hill by being able to abandon what others think of us as we work and worship, as we work for and we worship the Father. What might the, the neighborhoods around us, around our literal church facility here look like? What might our neighborhoods and that are around surrounding our homes look like if we continued to pursue this not in perfection but as our hearts are transformed and we are continuing again once again here it is offering ourselves to Jesus in confession in saying hey I can't live up to this on my own in prayer asking him to to guide us to mold us to to make us able and then living a life of thankfulness for his presence and his guidance in our lives. As we are transformed more and more into his image, what might happen? What might life look like? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that you do not expect us to be perfect that you do not expect us to have everything all down, that you have grace for us, that there is room to make mistakes, to learn and to grow. Father, I pray that we would all enter into that process. God, for those of us who have been following you for a long time, all the way through those of us who are just kind of investigating or maybe curious about Jesus and who you are and what you want and, and what life is like with you. I pray for all of us that we would be able to fully engage and enter into this process, that we would live, that we would worship and work for an audience of one, and that we would, in doing that, we would rely, we would throw ourselves 
on your love, on your mercy, on your grace and your goodness. God, we are your people. We are your wilderness wandering people. Take us to where you want us to be so that we will demonstrate you. We will reflect you well into the world so that we will be rooted and grounded in you, knowing who we are in you, and then taking that out into the world around us and with our families, our friends, our coworkers, and even our enemies, God, because you are generous, because you have loved us with an everlasting love, that you have, because you have not forgotten us in the middle of COVID, in the middle of all the upheaval, in the middle of uh, recession, everything that's going on. You have not forgotten us. You are our attentive, good Father. Maybe you haven't yet begun your life as a Christ follower, but you want to. You like this idea and you want to you throw in with Jesus here and now. I'm going to say a prayer. Just make it your own. Father, here I am. I want your love. I want to live the life that you have offered in Jesus. Make me whole. Give me your generous justice and make me whole. And then turn around and set me loose into the world that I can, I can join you in what you're doing. I want to look like you. I want to be part of your family. Father, for anyone who made that prayer theirs, I ask that you would visit them right now. I ask that you would fill them with your presence, with your goodness, with, with your mercy, with your very spirit, God. And that they would know you, that they would know their place in you, that they would experience life as your child. And for all of us, God, I ask that you would bring us more and more into your presence, deeper and deeper, that we would become more and more like Jesus, that we would be able to live in this new normal have your way in us and have your way through us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys, thank you for joining us this morning. Quick reminder, we do have our annual business meeting tonight. It is outdoors. We will be socially distanced. We're encouraging everybody to bring their masks, but we're going to have hot dogs. Uh, we're going to distribute stuff um, safely. Uh, and, and so I encourage you come. That'll be at 5 p.m. at the church facility. Uh, if you are unable to attend because of COVID, just uh, shoot us an email, let us know, uh, info at ccpwallop.com, and um, we will get some info to you about uh, how to go about voting. Uh, we'll have a drive-up voting, touchless drive-up voting uh, from 5 to 6 p.m. for members. Uh, voting only can be done by members, but... Um, so mark your, your uh, calendar, or I guess at this point, you're set an alarm. Uh, come and join us, and we look forward to seeing you guys. Hey, listen, go this week. Know that God is with you. God loves you, uh, that he gives you his spirit, and, and Jesus is on your side. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you later.